Good afternoon and welcome back to the EJS show on the Liberty Block with Ed, Jody and Steve. This show is being recorded live and will be available within a few hours as a podcast, which can be found on iTunes and SoundCloud by searching for the Liberty Block. Good afternoon, Ed and Jody. Hi, Steve. Hi, Jody. Hi, guys. Okay. Well, with not much to talk about, Ed, um, I guess we'll <laughs> let you talk about what the not a lot to talk about is. That was quite an intro there, Steve. <laughs> I think that the topic of the day is last night's debate. You know, we're recording on Wednesday, September 30th. There was the first presidential debate last night. And I haven't discussed it with either of you two guys, but I can tell you from my perspective, that was one of the most awful presidential debates I have ever seen in my life. Um, I was embarrassed for both of them. Um, I think, wow, I don't even know where to begin on it. Um, I think that uh, on substance, Trump was probably a little bit better, but I don't think it mattered. Um, I think um, I think Trump was woefully unprepared for certain things, including Chris Wallace's completely un unprofessional handling of the debate. Uh, the both both candidates were interrupting the other, yet Wallace was only interrupting Trump and only correcting Trump. I don't think he corrected Biden once, and I know he didn't interrupt Biden once. Um, but the key thing on the substance that I took from it um, was that Biden was caught in one lie after another. And there are a whole bunch of people on the right that I'm seeing this morning and, and earlier today who think that now we've got him. You know, he came out against the Green New Deal he came out against defunding police. He came out against socialism and, and uh, socialized medicine and Medicare for all. And there's so many people on the right that are saying that he's alienated the Bernie brothers, the Bernie base. And I think that is so completely wrong and not just wrong, but it's really ironic because these are some of the same people that four years ago and for the, for the past four years have said that we need to we need to take Trump seriously, but not literally. And I think it's the exact same thing with Biden. Everybody knows he's lying about those things. Everybody. And if you just take him literally, you're missing the boat. I think if you just take him seriously and you understand he's just saying what he thinks he needs to say in order to get elected, then it makes a whole lot more sense. And I don't think he alienated a single Democrat. I don't think he alienated a single lefty or Bernie brothers voter. And I think there's a lot of false celebrating on the, on the right and in the Trump support on, on the Trump side of the aisle that I think is completely misfounded. And, and if anything, dangerous, because it's going to lead to overconfidence. Um, I, I think that uh, I think that Biden did well substantively. Um, I think that he also ran out of gas in the last half hour or so of the debate. Um, but it was obscured by the fact that the two of the the two of the children there were bickering, and uh, you you really had to know what you were looking for to see that Biden looked like he was sort of lost at times. Trump needed to be a little more uh, professional at times, I think. And I think he needed to he needed to let Biden speak because when Biden speaks, he says dumb things, and Trump kept cutting him off. So I, I think that was that was a real problem on Trump's end, and you know. I don't understand how Trump wasn't more prepared for, for Chris Wallace to be Candy Crowley. Candy Crowley, if you remember, in, in 2012, she interrupted Mitt Romney as Mitt Romney was about to pounce on Obama. And she she propped Obama up and, and took, took Romney down. And that's pretty much what Chris Wallace kept doing. And the ironic thing was Trump was seemed like he was ready for it because he, I think the first time it happened, he said, Oh, I guess it's two against one. Mm -hmm. And he wasn't afraid of debating Tr Wallace, but he didn't do it effectively. Um, you know, I mean, I just, you know, I didn't think that he did a particularly good job dealing with Chris Wallace. When Chris Wallace offered to switch seats with him, Trump should have said, sure, let me come and ask you some questions. <laughs> that would have been great. I mean, if he would have done that, I mean, that would have really exposed what was going on. Can you imagine if that had happened? I mean, really? It would have been really, great. It would have been historic. 
to when, you know, and just to see if, if it would actually have happened and Trump sat down and it was Trump v. those two. Right. I mean, Chris Wallace would have never gotten up and he would have never done it. But the but whole thing is- said yes, I'm just playing it out in my head. It would have been hilarious. Well, Chris Wallace would have said no. And then Trump could have said, okay, then stop debating me. Yes. Right. That's, what, that's the way to deal with that. Yeah. And, and he just didn't do it. And Dang it. I, mean, I wish he would have done that. <laughs> well, it just, you know, it, to me, it didn't, it seemed like Biden's whole strategy was just to be nasty and say, lies and, and nasty things and uh, overload Trump's ability to refute them all. And Trump took the bait and tried to refute as many of them as he could. But, you know, I just, I thought I was embarrassed for both of them. I was, I was embarrassed for all three of them. I thought Chris Wallace was, was as unprofessional a moderator as I've seen other than maybe Candy Crowley. And, and that's really going somewhere. Okay. I've, I've got, here. I got, I've got one word for Biden's performance and it's pandering. His pandering is extraordinary and it's palpable. And I've got two words for Chris Wallace's performance and it is blatant bias. I mean, whether you are for Biden or not, I, I have a hard time if you don't see those two really blatant points. I mean, could Biden have pandered more looking into the camera, saying these things most half the time weren't even true. And like you said, your, your, your description of Chris Wallace in this role was spot on. And, you know, I don't know if you guys caught it. There was a moment where Trump was talking about inner city violence and he's, he brought up Chicago and then New York and Biden is on the sidelines saying Republican cities, Republican cities. And I'm thinking, what planet does he live on? And where is Chris Wallace? Chris Wallace was willing to interrupt Trump anytime Trump might have said something that you know sounded incorrect. That is so blatantly incorrect that Chicago and New York are Republican cities. And not a word from Chris Wallace. Well, it's just it's not Chris Wallace's job to correct either one of them, whether regardless of don't. don't pick one. Right. He, he, he shouldn't favor one over the other. Yes, that's um, why blatant bias was my two words to describe Chris, Chris's performance and but as far as pandering. I mean, like oozing pandering. Well, from I mean, Biden. as far as Biden and pandering, I mean, he's a politician. That's what politicians do. I mean, you can almost make a guy. He takes it to a, a level that's quite extraordinary because you, you, you mentioned substance. I'm having a hard time finding where that substance is with Biden. And I'll admit, you know, Trump tries to put out those little points and, 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 and uh, sort of take down little fires. But what was his substance? I mean, all I heard was pandering. And most of the time, it wasn't even true. Well, I don't think Biden's, I think Biden's game plan, both last night and for the campaign in general, is not to have substance. I mean, <laughs> okay, most, so the, I agree. The most, the most obvious place was when they talked about the Supreme Court vacancy and Biden said that he's not going to name, he's not going to say who his, who his list is. And to me, I don't want to know your list. I want to know who your nominee is. I, I said this last week during the show, you can't tell the, you can't ask the American people to make a choice if you're not telling them who you're going to pick and he wouldn't do it. And, you know, but, but that was his answer to everything. Oh, if I give you an answer, then then my answer becomes the issue. Yes. Well, damn right. Yes. Right. Your answer should be the issue. Yeah. What you stand for should be the issue. If you want people to vote for you, we should know what we're voting for. Okay. Let, let us go for a blast from the past when Pelosi said about the Affordable Care Act. Well, we have to pass it so you can find out what's in it. That's Biden's way of saying, you have to elect me to find out what I'm for. And that, that was probably the most offensive statement a legislator has ever made in my life. Um, and the fact that the Democratic Party didn't implode from that one statement that Pelosi made still boggles my mind 10 years later. Amazing. Um, but they, they get away with it. And, you know, Trump should have, Trump didn't need to get angry. He didn't need to talk over him. He should have let Biden talk and he should have said, okay, you want the American people to have a choice. My choice is Amy Coney Barrett. Mm -hmm. Who's your choice? Who do you think the American people should choose? And put Biden on the spot and make him have to say something. And then if Biden doesn't say anything, then he can say, 
you know, Hayden Biden or, you know, Lion Biden, whatever he wants to say, he can come up with whatever, whatever nickname he wants, but he needed to put Biden on the spot and make Biden have to either speak or look like a complete fool. And I mean, they both look like complete fools, but for different reasons. Well, let me ask you this. So let's yeah. just say Biden comes out with his list. Why would we believe him anyway? Like, I mean, couldn't he come out with something that he knows is going to win over whoever, whatever block he needs to schmooze today? Because he's a panderer. Well, if, if he were if he were smart and his team were smart, I think that they would they would nom- they would say he would nominate Merrick Garland. That would be the smart thing to do because Obama nominated him. He's sure. uh, he's sort of left, but he's sort of middle. And it wouldn't make him look awful. I mean, that would silence everybody. That would be his way of saying, of of fighting back. What do you think is the strategy for him failing to do it? Because on principle, they don't believe in getting consent of the voters. That is the the animating principle of the Democratic Party. That is some dark stuff. Well, that's what I think. And I think think it doesn't matter that it would work. It doesn't matter that it would be healthy they aren't interested in what is healthy and what would work for the American people. They're interested in what augments their own power. And they don't want to have, they don't want to have to get permission from the voters. They don't want to have to get, they think that that elections are are an inconvenience or or worse. They don't want to have to answer to the voters. And by giving a list or by giving a specific nominee, it's implicitly saying, okay, you guys have the right to say no. And when he says, I'm not going to tell you, he's saying, you don't have a say. You may think you have a say, but you don't. It's my say. It's our say. Right. So, but he's doing that while he's saying Trump needs to not do this because the voters need to have a say. And this was one of the things, and I need to revisit all the details of it, but my sense as I was listening to this part in the debate where I wish Trump would have hammered home a little bit better the voters did have a say. And I know he said the elections have consequences, but I feel like there's details that too many people don't understand and I wouldn't have 10 years ago either, but he should have said very specifically, the voters did have a say. They voted for a Republican for president. They have voted for a Republican majority in the Senate. And that is how it works. It works. He actually did say that, Jody. I know, but he said it, but he did. I don't know that he said it that specifically directly, I, think I, I, I felt I think like people could miss it. Maybe I should yeah, revisit it, but. Yeah, he quoted Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who actually said the same thing. I heard that part. The president is not president for three years. He's president yeah. for four years. I heard that, but I'm saying make the specific, they voted for a Republican president and a majority Republican Senate, and that is how it works. He, he got there, but it wasn't quite as um, direct as I wanted it to be to Okay, I'm going to butt in. Um, I agree with a little of what you said. I disagree with a lot of what everybody said. But um, first of all, Trump was being Trump. And Trump has oral diarrhea. And I mean that in a physical sense. He literally cannot stop himself from saying stupid stuff. So Trump could have been smart, like you guys are saying, and said almost nothing because Biden can't string together anything for more than about 20 seconds. And within two minutes, he would have been so far off the reservation, would have been obvious. But Trump is Trump and he's gonna always do what he's gonna do. And he's just not eloquent. And he also makes gaps. And there's nothing anybody can do to, uh, to change that. I think Biden's strategy was simple. He, he memorized a few lines, he repeated them several times and that was his success actually calling Trump a liar, a liar, a liar. That's what he got in there to do, and he, he did it. Um, I actually think that in boxing terms, I think Trump landed a lot, a lot of great punches. Um, whether it matters, I don't know. But I want to ask the question, what is the purpose of these debates? Let's, I want to hear everybody's opinions. What is the purpose? Ed? I think the purpose is to allow the American people to see the two candidates and have the two candidates tell the American people what they stand for and what they're going to do if they're elected. Okay, that I mean, that's the the purported, purported purpose. No, I won't say that five times fast. But who are they trying to convince? Either we're a 40, 40, and 20 in the middle country or a 45, 45, and 10 in the middle. Like most people say, if you haven't decided between Biden and Trump, not only you ain't black, I don't even know if you're, if you're a human being. 
well, most people have decided. So I, I tend to agree with those who say that these debates were playing more to the base. Now, yes, Trump well, can piss off a few people more. Biden, maybe you piss off a few people more. But I think to a big extent, they were going for their base. I think Trump, unlike you, Ed, I think Trump pulling Biden away from the left, I think, was great because it's going to keep a few people home. Sophisticated people know everybody's always lying, but we're dealing with AOC acolytes. And when they hear um, Biden saying over and over again, I'm not for this, I'm not for that. And I thought his worst line of the night was, I am the Democrat party. Yeah, yeah. That was, I was like shocked. Mm -hmm. The arrogance of that. Now you go back, I know you interpret it your way, Ed, of they don't really give a damn what anybody thinks. But I have to believe that that will keep 10 people home. So, but yes, I think that was Biden's worst line of the night. Um, I think, I think in general, the, the political, the so-called smart people in politics say that these debates and, and the, the campaign is about convincing the middle, but I've never believed that. I've always thought that the key to winning elections is to secure your base and turn your base out. Um, and I think both of them were trying to do just that last night. Um, I think they, you, you both have mentioned that Biden memorized a whole bunch of talking points, but I think Trump did the exact same thing. There were a whole bunch of buzzwords that, that Trump threw out there that if you listened, Trump couldn't even finish sentences. And, and it drove me crazy listening to him. He would have ha- a half thought in his he would have a thought in his head but he would only express a half thought in in a half sentence fragment and he couldn't finish the sentence. And if he could just finish the sentence and have a coherent thought, he might've had a good point. Uh, But it seemed to me like he just had a bunch of words that he wanted to make sure he spoke out and made sure that, that that his voters heard those buzzwords, you know, like crooked Hillary and uh, you know, you know, when he came after Hunter, I mean, I thought it was great that he came after Hunter because like some people say, the average Democrat has never heard a peep about yes, any of this. He didn't explain it. Stuff. He yeah. didn't explain it, but at least he got some of it out there. He did spew that he took three and a half million. He said it over and yes. over. He said about the Chinese. So I believe that Trump landed a whole bunch of punches. I don't know if Biden landed any. Um, he was on COVID. You know, Biden was able to land a few blows on Trump, but Biden had absolutely nothing to say about COVID anyway, nothing positive other than I'm not Trump, I'm not Trump. I thought Trump gained ground, if anything, for anybody who's um, sentient. Now, I don't know how many sentient people watch these things anyway. Um, Did anybody who didn't think Biden was going towards dementia, did anybody think he was worse then the press has portrayed him. I have no way of knowing that. Well, the press isn't portraying him badly. What do you mean? Right. No, I'm saying the, the press portrays him perfectly. So those who saw him last night, were they seeing signs of dementia or not? Hard to tell. I thought there were some, but... I thought only in the last half hour or so. Good, because I didn't... get tired. I didn't, yeah, and I figured that, and I didn't watch the last half hour. Um, I we haven't, haven't gotten there yet. We haven't discussed, was he wearing something in his ear? Um... Anybody want to hazard a guess? I'll hazard a guess, and I'll say I don't think he was because they were talking too fast and too much over each other. If he had somebody buzzing in his ear, he would have been completely confused. He would have, he wouldn't have been able to make a full sentence. He would have. I just don't think it would have been possible. It's hard enough. I mean, I've only had that happen. You know, I've only had something in my ear a few times when you know I'm talking to somebody else and I have something in my ear. It's, it's a hard skill. It's not easy. And it, I don't think that Biden could do it at this point. And certainly not with how much he was talking last night. I, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Now, I kind of wish Trump would have asked Biden about the 200 million that died of COVID. But unfortunately, <laughs> he, he forgot about that one. But and he not I, only forgot about that, he forgot about what he said about Charlottesville. Chris well, yeah, Wallace. I was upset that he let, yes, he let Wallace get away with that. And yeah. that was very, very unfortunate. Um, but that course, was Trump's own words. He, he, It's not like somebody else, he's commenting on somebody else's reporting. Trump should know what he said. I don't understand how he meant, let that go. Have yeah, you, he, I don't know. I Listen, I don't listen to president speeches anymore. I can't stand them since probably Reagan. But Trump 
when he reads a speech can give a good speech, but generally speaking, he's horrific. Like you said, he never finishes a sentence. He doesn't get a straight thought out at any time. And I, I personally, I find it painful to listen to him even when I agree with him. So I wasn't surprised by his total lack of eloquence, but I still thought um, he got more hits on Biden than Biden got on him. I'm curious if they're gonna cancel the rest of the debates. It doesn't sound like they're going to. Um, I tend to believe Biden did lose some things. I don't believe AOC is happy with him saying he's the Democrat party and he doesn't ascribe to the New Deal and he doesn't ascribe to this and doesn't ascribe to that. And I, I mean- You're taking him literally, a, not seriously. I'm sorry? You're taking him literally, not seriously. I'm taking him for what I think stupid people will hear him say things and not be sophisticated enough to say he doesn't really believe that. Um, I think they'll be insulted. I think there's a lot of hypersensitive people on the far left that looked to him to sign on with Bernie, which is Trump said many, many times, he sold his soul to Bernie. And for him to try and distance himself from him in the first debate, I don't know that that's really smart from his point of view. And I don't know if that was his arrogance or if that was his preparation. With Biden, it's hard to tell. You could, you could tick him off and he's, I thought it was, <laughs> I would not have done what Trump said. He said, don't mention the word smart to me. I thought oh, that yeah. was a horrific way of handling something yeah. that was handed to him to knock out of the park. But unfortunately, <laughs> That was Trump's that way up. of saying you, you didn't even do well in college. I mean, he did he mention that, that he lied about where he went to school. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't mention that he lied about all kinds of other aspects of his schooling, such as his scholarships right. and his top third of the class and everything else. But again, I don't expect much of Trump as far as eloquence. But I, um, yes, I was it a blank show? Yes, it was a blank show in the sense that it was totally out of control. But I don't expect Trump to be eloquent, but I do expect him to have command of the issues and to have command of the room. And I, I expect him that when, when Biden tells him to shut up, man, he, he would say something right back to him. Now, I, by the way, I was absolutely horrified at that moment. Um, you know that I, I have a little bit of anarchist in me and I'm quite libertarian, but saying shut up to the sitting president of the United States really got under my skin. I'm not sure what should have happened. Should Wallace have stopped it? That was the most over-the-top insult I've ever heard of the president of the United States. And yeah. I just kept thinking if somebody would have told Barack Obama to shut up, that would have been the most racist statement in the history of the country. I thought that was so, he called him a liar, he called him a clown, that's bad. I thought something should have been said at that moment. Well, Trump's known for his name calling, but when, you know, having watched these debates, you know, you know three, three things, name calling, lying, and interrupting were prominent, right? Um, and but if you're going to watch that and you're going to, there's so many people who want to take those kinds of things and call Trump this horrible person for this horrible personality because he's rude and interrupting. He name calls and he lies. Pretty much that's extremely Joe Biden too. So you can't say that there's any difference really between these two people on those things other than from what I've seen. Okay, actually, I'll take it a little no, further. Yeah, me too. Hold on. From what I've seen, Biden takes the lying to a whole nother level, but he's joined Trump. Biden was the first one to interrupt, by the way. Biden interrupted uh, first. That's only because um, the first question was directed at Trump and they just all interrupted each sure. other no matter what. I'm just saying, you can't just say, oh, Trump constantly interrupted. T Trump might have taken the interrupting to a, a higher level than Biden, but Biden started that too. I'm just, I'm just saying, the difference between these two men has nothing to do with those characteristics, those personality things. It, I, I think it really just comes down to the fundamentals of their worldview and the degree of money and power that they want vested in the federal government. And maybe Trump has certainly hasn't um, accomplished his worldview of how the federal government should work, but at least he is trying and calling for less money for the federal government, less power for the federal government. Biden is calling for more and more, and his Democrats calling for more and more and more money and power for the federal government. To me, it only comes down to 
the differences in their, their worldview with the federal government and the policies that will follow. And one more last thing, Trump started to get there and didn't finish when he started to say, if, these, if they get their way, they're gonna turn the United States of America into the inner cities that we see. Look at Detroit, look at Chicago, look at New York, look at all these failed Democrat policies if Joe Biden and the rest of them get their way, they're going to make the United States that. I'm sorry, Steve, go ahead. Okay. First of all, I was never a never Trumper, but I was unbelievably upset the way he treated the other Republicans. I mean, when he came out saying that Cruz's father practically killed JFK, I was beside myself. That was disgusting. And his calling everybody on the Republican side names and the way he treated them, I... I said a lot of really nasty things about him. And he won the general election with everyone knowing how crude, how crass, um, how low the guy will go. So in that sense, he doesn't lose anything by going that route. Biden is running on decency. So if Biden can be shown to also be like that, now we all know that Biden, when he gets upset, you know, lying dog face pony soldier, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that hurts Biden a lot more than Trump. The other thing I want to say in Trump's favor is I think as a human being, Trump is probably a much better human being. I think he's much more generous. I agree 100%. Kinder. There are so many stories yes. of him helping people out privately without making fanfare, which I don't hear about Biden. And I think, you know, he had the chance to say when they were going on and on about taxes. First of all, Trump prepaid millions and millions of dollars in taxes, supposedly. But Trump has been donating his salary. Trump loses money by being president. He alluded to the fact that his family loses money by being president. He could have hit him harder by saying, wait a minute, I made my money before I came into office. You made your money after you left office and by flying with Hunter to China all the time. But I think as far as a decent human being, and I'm not talking about Trump's words, Trump's actions, he's probably a far more decent human being. I think he did hit him once. Know that though, you have to. Most people don't. He did get the one time he got to use the line, which we knew he was going to use. You know, I've been in office forty-seven months. You've been there forty-seven years. That was the best line. I think they need to hammer away at that whenever they can, because Mm -hmm. Biden. You know, what did Biden say? If I'm elected, I'm going to cure such and such. And some people were like, "Well, you mean if you're not elected, you're going to let everybody die?" Uh, And I think Biden is very um, vulnerable to those kind of attacks. And I think if there are more debates and also obviously the commercials and stuff. But again, I don't necessarily agree with Ed that every election is about the base. I really don't know. I tended to think more about the independent, the swing voters. But I think to a big extent, if Trump gets his whole base out, he's going to win because I don't know if Biden can get his whole base out. And most of them, not most, a lot of them are upset that he beat Bernie again. Um, and you know they're not going to forgive the fact that they knife burning the back twice. So I think in this election, if he gets his base out big time, now obviously we're we're not talking about the fact that they're going to steal in any way. And just came out I think in Brooklyn, a hundred thousand bad ballots were mailed out with the wrong return address. So I think, and apparently they're all mad at Trump for he keeps calling out this fraudulent election. He's caught between a rock and a hard place. He has to call it out because it's fraudulent. But if he calls it out, they're going to say, see, we told you he's going to call it out. Ed, you've been quiet for a while. All right. Well, I was letting both of you guys get your get all your points in a couple of things. First, Jody, let me just push back on one thing that you said. Um, I think that Trump has mostly been trying to govern as a, a more limited government person than, than Biden and the Democrats. But I think you're giving him way too much credit. Um, specifically when you said he wants less money to the federal government. Uh, the reality is spending has exploded under Trump. Uh, I was going on his, his budgets. Well, Not his what budgets, actually is, at least his worldview has been better than Obama's, for example. Well, his, rhetoric has been, his rhetoric has been better, but the reality is the debt has exploded. Yeah. Um, it's exploding even faster than it did under Obama. Um, we sort of have this consensus between Republicans and Democrats that spending needs to forever spiral out of control. And the only real dispute is over whether it should be financed by taxes, which is what the Democrats say, or debt, which is what the Republicans say. And uh, the Republicans will pay lip service to wanting to reduce the debt. But when when the rubber hits the road, they never want to cut spending. So 
Um, and Trump has certainly not looked to cut spending. Uh, the debt has now gone to, I think, $26 trillion. Um, that's just an astronomical number. Um, it was, I'm trying to remember what the number was when Obama took office in 2008. I think it was about nine, eight or nine trillion. Yeah, I believe um, it was under I, 10, yeah. Yeah, and, and I think it was about 16 or 17 when he left. And it's already, you know, 26 trillion right now. And, and we're looking at spending as far, you know, gigantic budget deficits as far as the eye can see. I don't see, you know, right now, what's the big fight in Congress? You yeah, want more money for stimulus. <laughs> Let me ask Trump, you this. If yeah. he had, if, if Trump had uh, gotten more of his way, look at what the Democrats wanted and pushed for as far as spending in response to COVID. I mean, it would have been worse. Trump wants more. I mean, Trump wants more too. Uh, and what if, if, if he says no, what's going to be the media headlines, especially from the Democrats? You just don't care if people die. You don't care. All of that's going to come out. Do you think there's a little bit of, he doesn't have a choice? He, oh, everybody has a choice. I don't, I don't buy that. Unless someone's literally pointing a gun at you, you always have a choice. Um, and he's got a big enough mouth that he can make the case. He's made the case for changing our policy towards China. He's made the case for changing our policy. I don't think the American people are going to be okay with that in the midst of this. When they listen to Democrats, they're not going to be, they right. may be okay with what happens with China, but we want money. That's how voters right. function. We want money. We want stuff. We want money. Okay. But COVID has only been happening for about six or seven months now. Yeah. Right. He, you That's know, when the he bulk says, of it happened. You know, 47 months. So how about the first 40 months of your presidency when you had the greatest economy in the history of the world? Well, what's where the were the, where, where were the cuts in, in government? Where was the cuts in spending? They, they weren't anywhere. Well, they were called for in his budget, and I get it. You know, those are presidential budgets. But that's why what I how I worded it was we're talking about worldview, and ideally policy follows that worldview. It doesn't yeah. always. But at least, well, at least, if we're going to make a distinction between these two people, one, one's worldview is massively more government. One's worldview is not. Now, if, if it could play out more closely to Trump's worldview, but at least it is a distinction between Biden's desire and worldview. I would like to know, what is the growth? I'll look it up. I think what I'm was the just... growth rate before COVID and all this federal spending happened? How was, what was happening in the growth rate? I can look it up. Well, the growth rate was higher under, under Trump than it was under Obama, but okay, I mean, if you give me a couple of trillion dollar budget deficits every year, I can grease the economy too. And I think that's really what's been going on. Um, I, I'm not, I, I understand what you're saying and that's why I generally think that the Republicans are better than Democrats. I think that uh, at least rhetorically, Republicans want less government, but uh, when the rubber hits the road, it comes time to actually cutting any programs. The Republicans don't really put their money where their mouth is. Um, and then just getting to, did you want to say something to that before I move on to something? To I do, say? but go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. I'll, I'll remember what I was no, I just wanted to say, I, I think Republicans fail painfully at making the case for cutting, right? They, they fail. Healthcare is one of those subjects that makes me absolutely crazy because they lose, they lose the debate because they fail to message why smaller government is better for me personally, for everyone personally, why it's morally, financially better. They always fail. So to me, they're never, they're never gonna be able to cut anything as long as they fail to make the moral and financial case. Why they fail to make the moral and financial case, I don't know, but to me, that's the problem. That's why they can't get it done. Right. Well, I think there are reasons for that. And I, you know, I don't know that we want to get into those reasons on today's show, but, um, you know, I, I think even on healthcare, Trump is saying he's, he's for covering pre-existing conditions, which was an issue that came up in yesterday's debate. If the government is going to force insurers to cover pre-existing conditions, you're never going to control the cost of healthcare in this country. And it's just, that's just the reality. And you're turning, you well, could if you could control the actual price of healthcare. I mean, it's still well, going to be yeah, high. That's, that's the Democrats' plan. Bring... The Democrats' plan no. is the government will control prices. No, the Democrats. No, I think Jody means control prices by the market. 
No, I'm talking about the market. The market is no literally lowering the price. Literally lowering the price. Right, but there's no market if if you don't have if you if you force insurance companies to cover pre-existing conditions at the same rate that you cover someone without a pre-existing condition, that's We're not toast. a free market. That's that's no, just, there's no I, way. It, I mean, and not only is it not a free market, but I mean, it's it destroys it destroys the market, mm-hmm. and you know that's what the that's why Obama had the individual mandate because. Without a mandate, then nobody would buy insurance and they would wait till they got sick. Absolutely. But let me just, their end game may be price controls through government owning all of the healthcare system. That may be their end game, but that's not what they talk right now. And that was not what they talked with the Affordable Care Act. When you listen closely with the Affordable Care Act and what the Joe Bidens say now, it really is transferring that price, that cost, away from the individual to the government. At this very moment, as they're take, they're saying we'll give you subsidies. Now, now, uh, you know, the Medicaid people, they're going to get put into this public option. And I'm thinking to myself, well, if Medicaid was so wonderful, why do you have to add a public option? But what they're doing now is they're they're putting them into systems, taking Medicaid out of it, whatever they want to do that shifts the cost to government without addressing the real prices. Okay, so we're going to give you the subsidy. So the, the, the premiums under Obamacare and the deductibles are huge, right? Now, we're going to give you a subsidy. We didn't take down the price, but we're going to give you a subsidy. I don't want to get too much in the thicket of, right, of health care because that's a whole other subject. I believe that Biden kept yelling at Trump that he had no plan for health care, and I think that was one of Biden's worst lies of the night. I just want to share my brick at the TV moment before I forget to mention it. I've been saying for months and months and months that they closed down the economy and they're going to blame it on Trump, even though they did it. And when Biden said to Trump that it's your fault that the economy crashed, I, that's when I had to throw the brick. What about when Trump said, yes, he did. Trump admitted that I closed the economy down like he wanted to take credit for it. It's unbelievable. Yeah, Because, you he, because he didn't even listen to what Biden was saying. But they literally set it up for months and months. We're going to destroy the economy against Trump's wishes and then blame it on Trump. And you're right. Trump, instead of picking up on that, went his own merry way, unfortunately. But that, that anybody's going to let the Democrats get away with saying that Trump is the one who closed down the economy because of COVID, I, I just... Biden should not have gotten away with that line at all. Well, Trump's response, you know, the whole, you don't have a plan for healthcare. Part of the problem of that goes to what I was just saying. Look, you know, healthcare is an extraordinarily complicated subject. And it's, it's, it's as complicated as it is because government intrusion for so many decades. It's actually not quite as complicated if you get the government out. I have videos on that. You guys know that. But any, anyway, it's really hard to give these little feel good, we'll give you free stuff kind of talking points that the Democrats keep coming up with. So I get why it's a very difficult subject to um, to have those quick little, uh, here's bites. what my plan is. Here's what my plan is because it takes, it takes some intellect to walk through a little bit uh, to get, especially when you're fighting the illusion of free stuff from the government. The illusion of the free stuff from the government is very hard to combat when you're, when it's never that easy. Here's the way you combat that. You, you just remind everybody that he who pays the piper gets to call the tune. And if, if the government is paying for it, the government's going to get to tell you whether you can get the surgery or whether you don't. It's going to tell you whether you can get the treatment, whether you can't, whether you can have the prescription or whether you can't. If you want that control, you're going to need to pay for it. And that's just the bottom line. And that's the way to deal with it. He who pays the piper calls the tune. There's a lot of people now, especially with our youth. Oh, I don't care. You can tell me what I need because I don't have to be responsible for that. They don't really get what that really means. People need to see stories of what that really means. Lives uh, destroyed. People in pain. They don't even believe. They don't believe. No. Everybody no. needs to move to Canada or Britain for a year. Yeah, I have, uh, I have I lived overseas stories from Canadians and uh, people in the Oodles. It's, it's horrifying mm-hmm. and tragic. Now, let me, let me just interject something, though. I, I, think, 
I don't think sending these people to England or Canada or someplace with socialized medicine would have any impact on them whatsoever, because I think that there are some people who want to be told what to do and who want to tell others what to do. And they are completely unconcerned about the loss of freedom, either under socialized medicine or under any other right. social program here. And, you know, we keep saying, oh, well, you know, wait until you see it, wait until you see it. Well, I mean, we've got instances of socialism in this country. Look at, look at what's happening in the inner cities. Look at what happens on Indian reservations. We've got examples of socialism and people are not learning from it. And it gets back to, you know, deeper moral issues and deeper cultural issues. And, you know, all the, all the factual evidence in the world isn't going to convince them any more than any, than factual evidence is going to convince the people that you and I, that the three of us try and debate when we're talking to people. Some people just, they have a different worldview and they're, they're, they are completely okay with either being ordered around or doing the ordering around themselves. And I don't think that, I don't think that there's any real world experience that's going to change them on that. If anything, I think it almost will, will make them, you know, bloodthirsty and, and lustful when they see how much control they might be able to have. And, and you know, to me, you know, I'm here in New Jersey and, and I see how, how people are totally okay with being told what to do, being told that they can't go to work, that they can't go to temple, that they can't go to church. And, you know, they might brus bristle a little bit about it. They might think, well, it's going a little too far, but they don't challenge the underlying power. They don't, they don't think, they, they don't think that their civil liberties even mean anything. They, to them, it's just, it's a, an ab that's an abstract little fairy tale. And so, you know, I don't think, I don't think that's going to matter. I think, I think you're right. And that, that growing mentality is really distressing. I, it's super scary because there's plenty of people who, who don't mean well on any level to step up and say, I'll tell you what to do. I'll tell you how to do it. And they don't mean well. Right. And, and, you know, that's why, I mean, the two big, the, the two big cultural things that we have to work on are, the school, the educational system, and the immigration system. Because both of them in tandem are turning, the, the education system is turning out young people into adults that don't, that don't believe in American values. And the immigration system is being used by the statists to import more people who agree with statism. And the Democrats, that's the thing, you know, if you go back 30 years ago into the 1990s, the Democrats were the ones who opposed immigration. And, you know, they, they viewed it as, a, as, a, as unfair competition at the low end of the wage scale. But they figured out during the Clinton years that the way to deal, I mean, they figured a couple of things out. But one of the things they figured out was we, we have a better chance at winning if we change the composition of the electorate than we do of changing the minds of the current electorate. And that's what they've been doing. And they've been trying to change the current electorate. I mean, I guess it goes beyond Clinton. I mean, I guess it goes back to Kennedy's you know, the, the 65 Immigration Act. But um, I think that it really accelerated after, after the Motor Voter Bill was passed in, in 1993 under Clinton. And, um, you know, they, they've, been, they've been using uh, fraud in the, in, the voting, in the voting booth and fraud in the immigration system to try and change the outcome of elections by changing the composition of who's voting. So... Okay, I think somebody brought up morals and culture, which may be a good segue into Amy Coney Barrett. <laughs> that was only four days ago that he nominated her. It feels like a year ago. Oh, politics just makes it, it's crazy. Um, and you're, you're the attorney here. What are your thoughts on her as a jurist? Well, before I even just get onto that, I just... I want to comment on your last thought. And I think that part of, it feels like revolutionary times. And I don't mean American revolution. I just mean revolution in general. We're being inundated with so much stuff so fast, so much so fast that we don't know how, that our heads are spinning. And that's why something as big as that Supreme Court nomination happening four days ago seems like forever ago. It seems like a lifetime ago because we're constantly being bombarded. And I think that's the, not, maybe not prerequisite, but the, the prequel to a revolution. 
Um, as far as Amy Coney Barrett, she's obviously qualified. She obviously has a fantastic life story. The attacks on her, you know, the, that, that Boston University professor, I forget his name, who's accusing her of being a white colonizer and, and you know, he's applying his critical race theory to her adopting two black children from Haiti. Uh, it, it's, I, I wanna say it's outrageous, but it's just par for the course. It, we, up is down and down is up under the revolution that the left is trying to foment. And you know, what should be seen as something to celebrate you know, namely that, you know, this, this family took in these two black children, not that it matters what their skin color was, from the poorest country in this hemisphere and, and brought them in and, and, and not just brought them in, but if you listen to the story, uh, Judge Barrett found out that she was pregnant with her fifth natural child on the same day that they were bringing uh, the second, uh, the, you know, the, the child from Haiti. And, you know, she said that she and her husband had to have a little discussion about it. And, uh, you know, she made a little joke about, you know, life may be a struggle, but the good thing is it's short. And, um, you know, I think that it should be celebrated that, you know, she was colorblind in, in adopting these children. She's helping out people that are less fortunate. Um, you know, it, to me, it's, it's, it's a heroic story. I mean, you know, maybe it's not inventing the wheel or inventing the light bulb, but it's something that should be celebrated. And instead she's being pilloried. And, you know, it's, it's just, to me, it's more evidence that the left is just out to destroy and they are just out to destroy anything that's good because it's good. They, they hate anything that is good, anything that is positive for the world, not necessarily positive for, for Republicans or Democrats, or whatever, but they are, they are, an anti-life party. And I don't mean that in the abortion sense. I mean that in the more uh, metaphysical sense. I think that if something makes life better, they are against it. And if something somebody, makes it um, worse, somebody it. pointed out that, you know, we have this notion of quote, the balance on the Supreme Court, but somebody pointed out that Ginsburg took the place of somebody who was far more conservative. You know anything about that? Um, I believe she, did she replace Justice White? I don't remember if she replaced I think they said Byron White, but apparently her that seat was not a liberal seat when she took it. Now we pretend it has to be a liberal seat forever and ever. Well, it's the Brezhnev doctrine, right? Once this once the Brezhnev doctrine said that once a country goes communist, it can never not be communist. Mm -hmm. Well, that's sort of like the Islamic uh, doctrine. I think it is unbelievable how the same story if this lady were not on the right, she would be the heroine of all of society because what an incredibly good person she is. And because right. she's on the right, they will tear her down with anything they have. It's just so sad. But like the said, are they gonna find people she raped at a high school party? You know, and the horrible, horrible, some of the, and, and, and to be fair, Biden said she seems like a nice lady. Biden didn't say anything, you know, terrible about her. Uh, he just said it's not precedent or something. I can't remember exactly his words, which that's not true either. But if anyone on the right had said the kinds of things that are being said about her um, to a, a liberal potential justice, it would have been world news. They would have been talking about it in Australia, let alone the United States. It would have been on every headline talked about for hours on CNN and MSNBC for weeks and weeks. And yet I would wager that the vast majority of people who are just kind of watching here and there have never heard these horrible things even because that is how the media and the left roll. And um, I, I, I wanna say one thing also about, it really is one of the things I don't understand is she's a conservative, so probably the chances are she's going to want to take down the Affordable Care Act, thank God, so we can actually get affordable health care. That'd be great. And that she might be against abortion. Either of those should be shocking. You know, why these people have to go and now make her look extreme in her religion in order to make their case? Because so many people have gone to she's extreme in her religion as if she can't function outside her religion. But 
I think that's one of the big tragedies, but I, I think we've talked about before where sort of the left, if they can get the Supreme Court to make all of these rules, it's a lot easier than trying to convince voters and get it done legislatively, right? Um, right. So get, get you know, a liberal controlled uh, Supreme Court. And certainly that has to mean you get religion out of it as much as you can, because let's be honest, the government doesn't like competition and religion is a comp competition with their religion because government is the savior. Government will provide and they don't want religion competing with their religion of government is the savior and government will provide. Now, some people want to say, one say that Democrats are going to not want the optics of beating up on a woman three weeks before, four weeks before an election. I don't know if that's what they're thinking. I don't know how much they're going to beat up on her, but I know if we beat up on a female justice, it would just misogyny, misogyny, misogyny. Mm -hmm. Go ahead, Ed. Two things. One, I uh, just want to correct or, or say something about one thing that, that Jody said. I think that Amy Barrett almost certainly is, is opposed to abortion personally. She has five children and she's a devout Catholic. Uh, but I don't think I don't think you have to be against abortion to be against Roe v. Wade or to be for overturning Roe v. Wade. Um, and I don't think, I mean, I haven't read her decisions, but I would bet dollars to donuts that her jurisprudence is not, I am opposed to abortion, therefore I'm opposed to Roe v. Wade. I would bet dollars to donuts that, and I don't eat donuts, by the way, I would <laughs> bet dollars to donuts that she believes that states should make that decision, not the Supreme Court. Okay. You don't think she's going to call the Pope before she signs on to a decision? I'm so glad you brought that up. I, Because this is a burning question, and I, I'm sorry this is going to demonstrate my ignorance on this subject. And But this was one of my questions. So let's just say they overturn Roe v. Wade. Okay, as, as, an, as a libertarian conservative, I want to leave it up to the states. That's exactly what I want. So let me ask you, does Roe v. Wade preclude states from being allowed to ban abortion? Ban it outright? Yes. Yes. Okay. So if we got rid of Roe v. Wade, states would be free to ban abortion or would they still be free to publicly fund it, right? Is, am I right in that? Correct. Okay. I, I used to, before I got that little point out, I used to be against getting rid of Roe v. Wade. Now I'm all for it because it expands freedom. It doesn't mean that the state of Illinois is not allowed to take every tax dollar I give and pay for as many abortions as the women here want. That doesn't happen if you get rid of Roe v. Wade, right? Mm -hmm. well, it's to be up to the states. I mean, yeah. Thank you. Now I'm into, I want to get rid of Roe v. Wade because all it does is allow states the freedom to ban it. Right. Well, they, they've got free to do whatever they want. I'm all for it. They succeed with the lie that one judge is going to ban abortion. And it's such a disgusting lie. Well, now um, I'm really disturbed because I didn't know those pieces. And now I'm even no, more the angry. minute she's confirmed, we're going to be doing abortions with a hanger in a back alley. As yeah. If. Yeah. Well, Again, so, it's just another lie to get away with. As I've said in previous shows, every every accusation by the left is a confession. And That's my favorite saying now, Ed. Thank you for that. And when they make when they make that accusation, they're just telling you that that's how they think. They think that if they can get a judge to say something, you have to follow and do what they want you to do. That's you know that's, that's all that is. And I keep saying, look, liberalism. It always sounds good. What do you mean you want to take away people's health insurance? What do you mean you want to not let women have a right, free right to to health care, and you want to take it? Everything they say, those little talking points always have that gut-wrenching emotional thing like, oh my God, of course I don't want to take health care away from people. Oh my God, of course I don't want women to have a right to health care. All these things that are so bogusly deceiving and so darkly deceptive. It's, and this is just another one of those examples because they're not going to talk about the fact that you know what look it's just about it's just about freedom let the states do what they do states who want it like illinois y'all can have all the abortions you want but let's let freedom ring and let's let states who want to ban it let's let them ban it oh it gets me so worked up right well and you know 
the examples you use, you know, oh, they want to take, you know, the, the Democrats will say, oh, you, the Republicans want to take your health care away. Another perfect example. It's the Democrats that want to take your health care away. They're the ones who want to ban private insurance. They want to get in between you and your doctor and you and your insurance company. They, they're the ones who want to tell, have the government dictate all those relationships. And they want to take that power away from the individual and put it in the hands of the government. So again, their accusations are always confessions, always. Like, we, like we said before, you know, it's all between you and your doctor unless it's spelled hydroxychloroquine. <laughs> right. right. Listen, if we ever do uh, an episode focused solely on healthcare, I can tell you right now, five million times, I'm going to say there is a very big difference between health insurance and health care. And the Democrats repeatedly are talking about health and about coverage. There's coverage and there's care. The Democrats want you to feel really good about having coverage and they don't give a rat's boot about whether or not you have care. And that's where our side needs to get in on that conversation and say, look, they're trying to sell you coverage. We want you to have care. And there's a very big difference between okay. the two. Jody, but I was going to... I was going to comment on something you said before and something, you know, Ed also said. The reason the Republicans don't make the case is I'm convinced 90% of them do not agree with us. I think there's I think literally right. a handful of Republicans who are small Listen. government republics, Republicans, maybe, you know, Jordan, maybe Gates, Cruz, Lee, maybe a couple others. Most of them do not want anything different than the Democrats want. And that's what says you know. I was very involved in the healthcare uh, policy area, and I got, had a chance to be on a national phone call that included Rand Paul. And I was in a meeting with Rand Paul before that, but um, it was when he was running for president in 2012. And I got to be the first one to ask him a question. And I asked him, I said, I know, because I've been in a meeting with you before in the Physicians Caucus area as well, I know that you're well aware of how beautifully the free market system is working in healthcare in this country right now and how dramatically it's solving problems and how, what great stories they are, they, there are out there to put this on full view and display. And I asked him, so why is it that when you get up there and you have the opportunity to talk about this and educate people, you don't do it? And his answer was so politician. It was very well, you know, we have to do these things and handle these things in strides and stretches and it was so weak to me. I'm surprised, Rand Paul, because I thought I was, was I was shocked, and that came after a couple years of being in meetings with these people, where I'm like, they totally get it. Why? Why are they kind of crickets on the camera? And when it was Rand Paul, I I kind of had that. You guys are great at talking behind the scenes about you know this worldview, um, but they must be beholden to insurance companies and all this other crap to- I, mean, I, I would have put Rand Paul among the few who actually does care about- I thought so too. I don't, I don't, surprised. I still like Rand Paul. I don't understand what that was about. It was really unfortunate though. All right, closing statements, counselor. Well, um, I think the topic of the day is, is last night's presidential debate. Um, I'm glad, Steve, that you mentioned what Trump did to Rafael Cruz, because it was something I was intending to bring up at, the, at some point during this show. Um, every time somebody like Biden lies at Trump, there's a part of me that feels like karma's a bitch. And, you know, he, <laughs> Trump has, has used lies for himself. And, and I'm saying this as a Trump supporter he has my vote. He has my support. Um, but, you know, truth is the truth. And I'm never going to be, I'm not going to be a, a bandwagon person. And I'm not going to lie for my guy just to lie for him. Um, I think, I think that it's unfortunate what we saw last night. Um, I think, unlike you, Steve, I was actually never Trump in 2016. I did not support President uh, Donald Trump, the candidate, um, he has completely won me over with his policies and his the way he's governed in the last four years. Um, I am looking forward to voting for him. So I say this not in any way to take him down. Uh, but watching that debate last night, it reminded me of why I was never Trump or part of why I was never Trump. Um, and, you know, 
I hate to give any credit to the to the Never Trump movement because I think it's a, a cancer in our in our society, or at least in in Republican conservative cir- libertarian circles. Um, but for 90 minutes last night, I felt like they their their accusations that we need a more uh, intellectual um, uh, statesmanlike candidate. If if not being vindicated, I think that they they there was some merit to those arguments. And I was thinking them, you know, while I was watching that debate last night, I was thinking if only he were a little more intellectual, if only he could just have a full thought and express the full thought without, as you said earlier, Steve, having some verbal diarrhea. Um, I hope that, I hope that he wins. I hope that the people see the debate the way you did, Steve, and and not the way I saw it. Um, I have not seen any, uh, discussion or, or I haven't seen any, uh, you know, who won, who won and who lost polls. I don't know what the focus groups are saying. Um, but, uh, I, I hope that the, I hope that the next two presidential debates go forward. I hope that next week's vice presidential debate goes forward. And I, I hope that team Trump learns from some of the mistakes that were made last night, even if they don't think that they were mistakes. Um, I know that, uh, I know that I've been getting, alerts from Team Trump all day today, one after the other, trying to refute all the lies that Biden told. And while it sort of, it makes me feel good, um, I'll just go back to what I said earlier. I think that they are missing the exact same lesson that Trump and his people taught people in 2016, which is take him seriously, but not literally, or his people are gonna take him seriously, but not literally. And I don't think that Biden's literal lies are really going to amount to very much. Um, I hope they do. uh, But I I can't imagine that any lefties, I don't even think Bernie is, I mean, I don't think any of them is going to feel like, well, he he distanced himself from the new deal, the green new deal. So I'm not going to vote for him. You know, Kamala Harris was asked after she was, after she was chosen to be the vice presidential nominee you know, how can you be his vice presidential nominee after the things you said about him during the debate? If you recall, she basically accused him of being a segregationist during one of the Democratic debates. And she just gave a belly laugh and said it was a debate. Yeah, it was just a debate. And I think that's the way Democrats are going to view it. I don't think any of them is going to be turned off. Um, I think they all know that Joe is, is a batty old fool and that Bernie is really the one in charge. And the only way they're going to get any of their way is by having their guy, having Biden win. So um, I, I hope, Steve, that your analysis is better than mine and right. I, I would love to be wrong about this, um, but we'll see. I mean, I, I hope that I hope that Trump comes out. I hope Pence next week and Trump in the following two weeks comes out much stronger and much more in command because the facts are really on Trump's side. You know, Jody, you've, you've been mentioning that throughout the show. You know, the facts are on Trump's side. You know, that's why you're so busy fact checking. And instead of calling Biden, I mean, I guess I'm not opposed to Trump saying that you're, you know, Biden's lying or, you know, lying Biden, whatever he wants to come up with. You know, I mean, he can come up with whatever nickname he wants, but, you know, Creepy Joe or Pedo Joe or Sleepy Joe, whatever. I like you know, a lot of work. Uh, but I think, I, I think that he needs to show some statesmanship. And by statesmanship, I don't mean being willing to be a, a target practice dummy. I mean, showing that he's really the, the adult in the room and that he's the one who's in command of the facts and that if he just lets Biden talk, I don't think, you know, I think Steve said, Steve, you said this earlier, if he let Biden talk for two minutes, Biden can't go two minutes without making a complete fool of himself. And I, I think a lot of the interruptions were counterproductive because mm-hmm. it allowed Biden to, stop, catch his breath, you know, if his brain actually thinks, allowed him to think a little bit. And, um, you know, I think that he would have been much better off just letting Biden dig his own hole and, and you know, say, say some stupid things. And I think that he'd be well served to let Biden say some stupid things next time. So we'll see. It'll be an interesting two weeks or three weeks. So I agree, you know, uh, but I've been thinking the same thing about the Democrats for the last three or four years. If they had shut up and just said, and just let Trump be Trump and name call and 
you know, those things that he does, that, that brash, brutish, brutish personality, if they had let that, you know, just stood by and been better and let him put that on the display, but that's not what they did. They sometimes trumped him, pun intended, sometimes trumped him on the name calling and the acting like children. And so they lost any leverage on, you know, saying, oh, well, he's, his personality is terrible. His personality, and he, he name calls, they lost any leverage on that part of this discussion. And as far as I'm concerned with the debate, I really, I, I think if there was any question about that, this, this notion that it really does come down to Trump's personality, because I'm with you, Ed, I did not like voting for Trump. And uh, when I did, I really didn't like it. I honestly just voted because he was a Republican and I couldn't have Hillary and the Supreme Court. And those are just the reasons I did, but I didn't like it. And now I'm going in, I am voting for Trump. And as I look at the personality issue, I find it, you know, I do wish he was a little more statesman but I also appreciate some value in his uh, fearlessness to not give a rip what people think. And yes, it goes too far, but his, we're talking about dealing with um, a media who is so corrupt and derelict. Imagine that every day, it just, just Chris Wallace in the debate. I mean, a corrupt media, you kind of got to have a bit of that something, something in your personality that might be a turnoff, but it also has value in this moment. Yes. Do I wish it was a little bit less? Yes. But do I think that it is exactly the kind of personality we need? Um, yes. And maybe that's a double-edged sword, but um, that's what I close with. I think it'll be interesting, you know, Biden's going to run on the decency thing. And How? I'm thinking about it now. You just have to make a split screen ad. In one side, Biden's saying, I'm the decent guy. And then on the other side, play shut up, play you're a clown, play yeah. you're lying, and play lying dog face pony soldier and just yeah. keep looping. Come on, man. So yeah. I think that's going to hurt. The, the last thought I'm going to uh, share is I believe for the first time in history, we cannot say we will know on election day. And I think that's one of the saddest things ever. I don't think we're gonna have a clue on election day who wins. And Facebook, New York Times, everybody's already saying, anybody who calls this election for Biden is gonna be censored. So we won't even know. And this is just gonna go on and on, but we'll leave that discussion for another time. Um, thank everybody for being here. Thank you, Ed, thank you, Jody. We'll be up on SoundCloud within the hour and on iTunes as well. And as Ed always reminds me, please subscribe. And we'll see you all next week. Same time, same channel. Bye, Bye guys. Have a good week.